This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with the AMA's Director of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia, in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. we got a lot to talk about today. We've got boosters, vaccines for kids five and under, and of course, monkeypox. Let's start with the big news last week that was about boosters for kids. Tell us what's the latest on that for having me back, Todd. And and yes, last Tuesday, we saw the FDA authorize a booster dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine for children in that 5 to 11 age group. And then following the FDA's uh, authorization, the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices recommended a booster dose for children age 5 to 11. And the CDC director endorsed that ACIP recommendation later that same day. So children in this age group are now eligible and should receive a booster dose if they received their last uh, dose at least five months ago. So this is a third dose for most children in this age group and a fourth dose for some children who are immunocompromised. As a reminder, uh, in November, booster doses were officially recommended for adults. And in January, they were recommended for children 12 and older. The thinking behind this latest recommendation is to give kids that extra layer of protection at a time when cases and hospitalizations are again rising nationally. And we know the protection from their primary series may of course be waning depending on when they completed that series. And the AMA weighed in on that with their own statement. What was the AMA stance on this? Yeah, the AMA released a statement applauding the ACIP for their thoughtful deliberations and their recommendations supporting the booster dose for children in this age group. That statement was attributed to AMA President Dr. Gerald Herman, who said that based on what we know from other age groups, vaccine effectiveness against SARS-CoV-2 infections declines over time and vaccine booster doses have been shown to increase that protection against all outcomes. So with the highly transmissible Omicron variant continuing to evolve, strengthen neutralizing antibodies from the booster dose provides that additional layer of protection. And of course, that statement went on to remind people that these vaccines are safe and effective um, and are um, especially in preventing hospitalizations and severe disease. Well, let's talk a little bit about the data part of this. What What data was the recommendation based on? So that booster recommendation was based on data that Pfizer reported in April. um, And that data found that for children in that 5 to 11 group, a third dose generated antibodies both against the Omicron variant and against the original version of the virus. And in that trial, children received a 10 microgram booster dose of the vaccine. We know that's one third of the dose given to adolescents and adults. There were no serious adverse events reported among those trial participants. The most commonly reported side effects were pain, redness and swelling at the injection site and aches, chills and fever. I think it's important to note that booster doses are still recommended for children who've had a past infection. Uh, As we know, some evidence is suggesting that uh, 
compared with vaccination, protection uh, following an Omicron infection may be weaker and may not last as long. Well, although the evidence clearly supports that these vaccines uh, are, as you uh, said, safe and effective, we aren't seeing uh, the vaccination numbers we would have hoped for in this age group, uh, even for the primary series. How much are they lagging? Well, it's concerning. Only one in three children between the ages of five and 11 have received two doses of the COVID vaccine. And this could be in part because parents believe that kids are at lower risk for severe disease than adults. Uh, But if we look at the data uh, that the CDC has shared, um, Omicron not only sent more children to the hospital and ICU than previous waves, but children who were unvaccinated were twice as likely to be hospitalized as those who were vaccinated. So we continue to urge those who are eligible to stay up to date on their COVID vaccinations, including booster doses. Um, Obviously that protects you and it protects your loved ones from severe complications, hospitalization and death. And of course that includes eligible children. Oh, so uh, that is really important to correct uh, misperception out there. And in line with this, the CDC also strengthened its recommendation for second boosters for certain populations. Tell us more. Yeah, so the CDC is now saying that all people aged 50 and older should get a second booster dose if it's at least four months past their first booster. And you may recall that previously the CDC had said that people 50 and older may get that additional shot uh, with the should recommendation previously Uh, being reserved for those over 65 or those with underlying medical condition. So this new guidance was issued by the CDC last Thursday. It also extends to those who are 12 and older who are immunocompromised. And we know that while older Americans have the highest coverage of any group of first booster doses, most Americans 50 and older received their last dose of a COVID vaccine more than six months ago. And so the CDC has said that's leaving many people vulnerable without the protection that they need to prevent severe disease hospitalization and death. Well, uh, in more Pfizer news, we also received some results from their trial for kids under five. What are the key takeaways there? Yeah, so many parents have been waiting for this news. And on Monday, Pfizer-BioNTech reported the preliminary findings of their trial in children younger than five. Uh, This data was shared through a news release and the companies announced that a subset of a trial of 1,678 children ages six months through four years uh, who received that three dose regimen um, found it to be 80% effective in preventing infection. So we don't have the supporting data that was not disclosed Um, And the companies did not say how many children were in that subset, but a spokeswoman for Pfizer said that the comprehensive results from the trial will be disclosed next month. We expect the company will submit an application for an EUA soon. And following that news on Monday, the FDA FDA announced that FERPAC, its advisory committee, would be considering both Pfizer's application and Moderna's application for this youngest population on June 15th. Well, that's good news because I know that uh, a lot of parents out there are anxiously awaiting that EUA because if you have mentioned before, cases and hospitalizations are still rising. 
Uh, let's go into the numbers. According to the New York Times state of the virus this week, the U.S. is currently averaging more than 100,000 reported cases of COVID per day. Uh, that's the first time since February that we've seen cases at this level. Cases are up 46% over the past two weeks. Uh, we talked about last week, cases are rising in nearly every state at this point. And, and we also know that you know, this continues to, to represent an undercount with many at-home tests uh, going unreported. Last Wednesday, the CDC warned that one-third of the U.S. population now lives in an area with medium to high levels of virus transmission. That was up from one-fourth of the population falling into these risk zones the week before. Um, and then even by Friday, that number had uh, jumped up again with Dr. Walensky, the CDC director, saying that now more than 45% of Americans live in areas where transmission rates are high enough uh, that people should consider wearing a mask in indoor public settings. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Now, uh, we've seen cases up. Uh, where are we tracking with hospitalizations? Hospitalizations are increasing as well, and that's true in all but five states and territories, though the number of uh, patients hospitalized nationwide remains below the, the peak levels. It has increased by 31% in recent weeks. We're averaging about uh, 23,800 hospitalizations per day. Uh, a white, at a White House briefing last Wednesday, health officials attributed the increases to three main factors. That's um, new and more infectious Omicron subvariants, waning immunity from vaccines and previous infections, and of course, fewer people are wearing masks. Uh, we know that there are now at least four Omicron subvariants cir circulating in the U.S. BA.2.12.1 is now the dominant Omicron subvariant. It represents 57.9% of cases. And BA2, uh, which was dominant last week, has now dropped to about 39.1% of cases. And these new strains appear to be even more infectious than the previous ones. And of course, that is adding to the increase in cases. Absolutely. It seems like we've heard a lot of this before, maybe with different variants and with slightly different numbers. Uh, the World Health Organization recently asked an important question, which is, have we improved our pandemic readiness over the last two years? What was that answer? Well, um, the World Health Organization panel unfortunately concluded in a report released last Wednesday that governments around the world are really no better prepared today to address a new global disease threat than they were just before the COVID outbreak began in late 2019. Uh, this panel, uh, the Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response, was established in July of 2020. They've tried to overhaul the world's approach to outbreaks, which they consider to be outdated and inadequate. But really, it appears that little has changed. Uh, the authors of the new report said that the uneven distribution of vaccines around the world has really been a major challenge that we need to overcome. And this report was released ahead of the WHO's annual policy-making forum, the World Health Assembly, 
which started this week in Geneva. Um, and, and these findings echo another report released late last year that said the world remains dangerously unprepared for the next major disease outbreak. Well, uh, great segue uh, and big concern uh, because uh, in addition to everything we've had on our hands with COVID uh, is uh, another disease that has a lot of people worried and that is monkeypox. How concerned do we all need to be and is this uh, you know, another disease that's heading our way? Well, the CDC issued a health alert on Friday. They're really urging physicians and health departments to be vigilant for cases of monkeypox. Uh, we're really seeing an unprecedented global spread of the virus, and that, of course, is raising concerns among public health authorities. That alert came uh, two days after the CDC confirmed a case of monkeypox in Massachusetts. Testing at the CDC on May 18th confirmed that the patient was infected with a West African strain of the monkeypox virus. Uh, the patient was isolated and the CDC does, says that does not, they do not pose a risk to the public, but there are six additional presumptive monkeypox cases in the US at this point, one in New York, uh, one in Washington, two in Utah and two in Florida. Um, overall, the CDC says that the risk to the population remains low. I think the good news is cases are usually mild. Most people recover from the disease without requiring hospitalization. But the CDC is releasing doses of a smallpox vaccine from the strategic national stockpile in response to these recent monkeypox cases in the U.S. And that vaccine will be made available to those who are considered high-risk contact well, we will obviously continue to keep an eye on that as things develop. That wraps up today's COVID-19 update. Andrea, thanks so much for being here today. We'll be back soon with another segment next week. For resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org COVID-19. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.